0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers. We're so
1: glad we that you joined us here on this Tuesday afternoon. And uh, this is still Easter time. We're still, we're an Easter people. Hallelujah is our song. So we want to start today again with the, a reading from the Gospel of John. That's the reading for Tuesday of the third week of Easter. We're reading the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 30 through 35. The crowd said to Jesus, What sign can you do that we may believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you. It was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to Jesus, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting. This gospel starts out, yeah. and the crowd is saying to Jesus, What sign can you do yeah, well, that we may believe in <laughs> you? Well, the deal is, at, at, yesterday at the end of the gospel, at the verse before that, Jesus said, This is the work of, the go- of God, to believe in the one whom he has sent. You know, what do we have to do to do the works of God? The people said the work of God is to believe in the one whom he sent." Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, fine. So what sign are you going to do? What are you going to do to make us believe in you? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let me see now. Uh, what do I have to do to make you believe in me? Uh, at, at Cana in Galilee, I changed water into wine, which as an aside, a footnote here, um, he did that at the request of his mother. That's he, the first miracle. That was his first public miracle. And yep. he worked it at the request of That's his right. mother. And then... In addition to, then this is just, these are just the miracles in the Gospel of John, okay? Um, after the G- Canaan Galilee, then he has the man who had sat at the, um, the the sheep pool in the Temple of Jerusalem for 38 years, the cripple. I can't imagine. And, and it, there was oh, this pool God. of water, and when the water was store, stirred, the first person who would go into it was cured, so this man had been there for 38 years and hadn't managed to be able to get to the water before someone else. And he's he went, a
2: persevering young man, but yeah, he stayed
1: there and he, you know, and then Jesus comes along and cares him. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, at the beginning of John six, Jesus feeds 5,000 men on a, on, you know, a few loaves and you know, what was it? Five loaves and two yeah. fish. Yeah. People. Good morning. What more do you want him to do? What sign do you want? Mm -hmm. And and the reality is, is they're not there because he worked the sign. They're actually there because he multiplied the loaves and he fed them. And they want him to keep feeding them. But he's kind of indicating to them, well, he's not kind of, he's indicating to them from what he's saying that this is not, you're not supposed to be striving for the food of this earth. You're not supposed to be looking for me because you've eaten your fill of the loaves. You're supposed to be looking for me because it's going to lead you to God. And that's, he's trying to get us to go beyond just the visible world that we see to recognize that our finality is not in this world. It's in heaven. We were made for something beyond this world.
2: And you know, Mary, that's why when we go to mass, if we have a sacred mass, in other words, quiet, reverent, it helps us understand that we are here to get out. In other words, the mass is what we're going to be experiencing The worshiping of God in heaven, and if it's not sacred, it just becomes kind of like his entertainment, and we miss the we miss what what what's going on at the mass because it's it's all about did you get a a good band to play, did you hear a good you know was he entertaining? That has nothing to do with the mass, and I just say that because you and I both went to you know the first Holy Communion mass this week at a local parish, and and people were clapping and stomping, and I just think that. You know this this discourse of John six really shows us that this is not a symbol that we're receiving, and if it's actually Jesus Christ, then let's act like it's Jesus Christ.
1: Exactly, the Eucharist is Jesus. He, it is he is Emmanuel. Mm. He is God, God is God with, with us. us. You know, when you walk into a church, a Catholic church, and the Blessed Sacrament is there, you are, this is heaven on earth. Amen. When the Mass is celebrated, this is heaven on earth, <laughs> literally. Yeah. The liturgy is is the entire Paschal mystery of Christ, which includes his glorification in heaven, the wedding feast of the Lamb. And we are united to the angels and saints of heaven. We're present with them. Heaven is present in our midst. It's it's one, you know, we're one big family. But it's the church triumphant and the church suffering in purgatory, along with the church militant, worshiping God. And this is the Eucharist. and This is what Christ is talking about. He was going to give us his flesh to eat and his blood to drink. And and the people were so scandalized, they're going to walk away because it's like, well, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? I mean, the Jews didn't believe in cannibalism. It's like, no, God forbids cannibalism. What are you talking about? Well, he's going to give himself to us under the appearances of bread and wine, but it's truly his flesh and blood. Is it his flesh and blood cannibalism that we're eating his body as it walked on? No, this is the risen glorified Jesus in his glorified body. And the glorified body no longer is subject to the confines of the material world because it's a real body. It's still the human body but it's a glorified body, so it has spiritual principles to it that take it beyond the realm of nature.
2: You know, Mary, what you just taught in the last two minutes, I would predict that 99% of the Catholics, and folks, have make, prove me wrong, <laughs> 99% of Catholics have never heard that, mm-hmm. let alone believe that. Right. And so we're doing a, a, a bad job as a church to communicate what Mass is all about, mm-hmm. I think. And I think also when you look at only 20% of Catholics going to Mass, first of all, I think that's indicative because they don't know what they're going to. So I appreciate you clearly articulating what the Catholic Church teaches. I just know that our listeners, I would ask you to podcast, go to the podcast and send it to your friends because— I've had so many people over the last 40 years tell me when I talk about what Bishop Sheen talks about, the reenactment of Calvary, right, right. that we're present at that one eternal sacrifice. Absolutely. They go, I've never heard that before.
1: Yeah, the, the Mass is so—it's the entire Paschal Mystery of Christ. Read the Second Vatican Council document yeah, on yeah. the liturgy. Read it. And
2: don't hear somebody say the spirit of Vatican. City. Read it yourself. Read
1: the document. It talks about this. It talks about the— the, the entire Paschal Mystery of Christ being made present to us, time and space don't exist at the Mass. Wow, Time and space cease to exist. Mm-hmm. Christ is acting in and through the priest. When the priest says the words of consecration, he doesn't say, this is Christ's body. No. He says, this is my body. Mm-hmm. And what what it is, is it's Jesus Christ acting in and through the priest by the power of the Holy Spirit. To change the elements of bread and wine into the real, living, glorified, resurrected, ascended body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. He can no longer die. He can no longer suffer. But you know what? He can feed us on his flesh and blood because he's risen and glorified.
3: it's, It's... it's.
1: There's so much to think about at Mass. You don't need to be bored. You need to come 10 minutes early and stay 10 or 15 minutes, maybe 15 minutes early, and stay 10 or 15 minutes afterwards to quiet yourself, put aside the cares of the world, prepare yourself to enter into the mystery, read the scriptures, be ready to... to hear the word of God because the word of God is living and effective. That's why the scriptures are read at Mass so that we can receive instruction from God on how we are to live our life right here now today in this moment. This isn't just a history book
2: that's a museum. Can I just interrupt you because this girl's getting fired (laughs) up about the Mass. She's been going to Mass since she was a little girl, okay? Because her parents formed her in the faith. And I know that only 22% of families have a mom and dad at home. So I know we're up against the tough times, but I would encourage you. It's not too late to even start going to daily mass. If your schedule would allow you to, because the graces that are there at the mass, there's nothing close to the mass, not even the rosary, not even the liturgy of the hours. Nothing. Right. And so I would encourage you, our listener at least do the readings of the Mass each day, get yourself a missile. But Mary, you've been going all your life. I've been going since I was 14. And what got me motivated is when I understood what was going on at the Mass. And so I said, it's just good time management. And I, and I, I hurt in my mind and in my heart when I see people going to Mass and acting like they're bored. Right, or, or going into
1: church and just Gosh visiting with people, me. they're talking yeah. about Las like Vegas. The they're yeah. talking about where they went to dinner, mm-hmm. and where they're going to go to breakfast, where they're going to go to lunch. They're talking about this, they're that, missing that. It. They're not. They're not. They're not focused on anything. What's going on in the church? What What is the mass? Yeah. And and it yeah it it, it, it aches. Your heart aches, and it's more than that. God, God has so much He wants to give us. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to give us Himself. But are we prepared to receive him? Yeah. Are we praying? Are we freeing our hearts from sin so that we can receive him? You know, St. Paul gave some very stern warnings in the in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapters 10 and 11. You really need to read them. He said, do not receive the, the body and blood of our Lord unworthily because if you do, you are guilty unworthily. of the body and blood of our Lord. And the word he uses there means you're guilty of committing murder. Wow. We Jesus Christ is really present in the Eucharist. We really need to prepare ourselves and we need to make sure that we are going to confession on a regular basis. And if we have the misfortune of committing a mortal sin, that is committing a serious moral evil with full knowledge and full consent of the will, then we can't go to Holy Communion. You know, and, and serious moral evil, Well, what's serious moral, what's moral sin? By the way, any of the Ten Commandments, all of the Ten Commandments are serious moral evil if you belligerently, in defiance of the law, break them. so
2: We're fired up about the Mass, aren't we? Just a little, you know, <laughs>
1: because it's God. Amen. It's God present among us. Jesus never left us. He's always with us. He never will leave us. So stay tuned for more with Bible with the Barbers. <laughs>
2: This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor you can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 526 2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Well, welcome back, and thank you for your questions and comments. And, and somebody mentioned, yes, that the, the, the Mass is the unbloodied representation of Calvary, it's the sacramental representation. But in that sacramental representation, sacramentally Christ is presented to us okay, under the signs of bread and wine. But it is truly Christ, and it is truly the sacrifice that he offered. And with our faith, since it is the entire Paschal mystery, the, the Last Supper, yep, it's all there. the passion and death of our Lord on yep. Calvary, right. his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, his glorification at the Father's right hand. So it's the entire Paschal mystery made present to us under sacramental signs. We're not killing Christ again. Catholics don't believe that Christ is dying again at the mass. Catholics believe that God is outside of time. That's right. And so the one eternal sacrifice of Christ, the sacrifice he offered of himself on Calvary, is present to his father continuously. Go read chapter 5 of the book of Revelations. Christ is still bears his scars in heaven. The lamb was slain, but he still bears his scars. Right. The lamb is glorified now in heaven, but there is no time in God. So the moment of Christ's death, he, God can still see that. As he looks on time, he still sees the moment of his son's death. That's right. as well as the fact that his Son is glorified at his right hand in heaven. So and that's, that's God. I mean, God is outside of time. We can't wrap our whole minds around no, can. but we can meditate on it we can ponder it and we can let that sink into our heart we don't need to be bored at mass we need to think about what's really happening read the, the you know the accounts of the passion of our lord meditate on them the resurrection read the book of revelation especially chapters 4 and 5 and the and the wedding feast of the lamb chapters 19 20 21 and 22
2: and if so you much. have if you have bishop sheen's life is worth living Amen. he has a whole Half hour on the mass, talking about the re- reenactment of Calvary. You're present there, like uh, we're, we're present, even though time doesn't exist in the sense of uh, for us. We're spiritually there. So Bishop Sheen does a really good job on the mass, and I would recommend that most of you listeners have "Life Is Worth Living" on an MP3 disc. If you don't, you know, call and get it at eight seven seven five two six two one five. When you get 50 half-hour shows by Bishop Sheen plus a DVD on our Catholic faith. So it's like $100 worth of product for $20. And uh, his talks on the Mass, I I don't think anybody take issue with Bishop Sheen. He's he's, he's one of the best when it comes to the Mass. Call 877-526-2151 to get that.
1: All right. And we want to move in here. I, I'm, I know we're still focusing on the resurrection. Gee, I just can't understand why, you know, <laughs> the resurrection. It's talked about in all four of the gospel accounts, all four of them. Imagine that. And I want to look at Luke's account today. They're all different. Now, it's interesting that Matthew and Mark, Matthew is the longest gospel mm-hmm. and usually gives the most details about everything. Yeah. He doesn't give a lot of details about the resurrection or the actual events. And why is that? and that's Matthew that's the way he closes out and Mark also Mark you understand cuz Mark short. is always truncating stuff it's always Mark is just shortened to the point yep. and, but Luke's emphasis here he talks about you know the first day of the week he talks about the the um, the women going to the tomb and what the angel said to them now we don't get this in the other gospels that the angel said to them he, he says he is not here he is risen okay he first he asks them why are you looking for the living among the dead they they go to the tomb to look for Jesus because mm. they think Jesus is dead. They didn't expect the resurrection. Yep. But then he says, "Why are you looking for the risen among he, the living among the dead? He's living. He's not here. He's risen." But remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified, and on the third day rise. So the angels reminding them, Jesus told you he was going to suffer. Mm. He told you over and over again he was going to suffer. Did they get it? No, they really didn't get it. And in addition to telling him he was going to suffer, he told him that he was going to rise. So Mary Magdalene, and who who were the women? And again, Luke is the one. Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, Mm -hmm. the mother of James, and the other women. Mm -hmm. And you remember that, that harkens back to an earlier chapter in Luke where he talks about the women who assisted him out of their needs. Um they the women accompanied them and they assisted Jesus and the apostles out of their their earnings and, and what they had to give. So there were women, and they were among those were Mary Magdalene from and Luke tells us earlier that was the one from whom he had cast out seven demons, and then Joanna, and Joanna was the wife of Herod Stuart Chusa, and then Mary, the mother of James, and other women, and Salome and there's others in there that whose names aren't mentioned here. So they go and they tell Peter and the other apostles and they're like, oh, these women, you know, they're <laughs> always seeing stories. visions, you know, mm-hmm. they're always seeing visions. Yep. But Peter in the, in the gospel of Luke, it says that Peter runs off to the tomb and he sees it. But again, he doesn't understand. And so he comes back and they're, they're perplexed. Now, what's interesting is the next one. Remember the story of the road to Emmaus. Emae, Emmaus. Thank you. Emmaus. Um, and the two disciples are leaving. Well, what now these two disciples, they're walking on this road right to Emmaus. They were there in the upper room when the women come. They're there when Peter comes back from the tomb and the tomb is empty. Yeah. And they're like, we're done. We're leaving. <laughs> yeah, is- we don't get it. We don't know what's happening, but Jesus is gone. He died. We're done. They're leaving. They're walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from the church. Hmm. And what happens? So they're walking away and they're in the midst of a lively discussion. The two of them and, and, Jesus comes and he says, uh, what are you talking about?
2: <laughs> yeah, what am I
1: talking about? And, and they stop, haven't heard. And one <laughs> of them, Clofoss, yeah, he's like, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't <laughs> yeah. know what happened here? With these things that have happened. And he's like, well, yeah. what things? Yeah, Tell me. And it's like, "Well, what's interesting about that question? Mm-hmm. Father Fessio pointed this out. He said, it's actually rather amusing. Yeah. A little Jewish humor here. Who was the only one who really knew what was going on? Jesus, mm-hmm. but he's going to give them an opportunity to tell him how they see things. It is funny. And this is what Jesus does. He first, he, he draws us out. Well, how do you see things? Yeah. Okay. And then he will try and bring us to see it from his perspective. But it is hysterical because yeah. they're like, you mean you haven't heard, you don't know what's going on. Hey man, where have you been? Are you the only person who's totally out of touch? No, actually he's the only person who's totally in touch. Yeah. He's the only one who really knows. Uh-huh. But he's not flaunting his knowledge. He's drawing them out. So beautiful. He's drawing them out. And Jesus says, what things? Yeah. (laughs) And so they tell him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and the people, and how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up and condemned him to death and crucified him. But we had hoped. We had hoped. Notice, these two are leaving. Mm -hmm. They had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day. Moreover, some of our women have amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. And they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels. Women, you know, Mm -hmm. who said that he was alive. And some of those went, and we know that it was Peter and John from the other gospels, Mm -hmm. and found it just as the women said. But him they did not see. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so Jesus says to them, Oh, you foolish men, <laughs> and slow of heart to believe. To believe what? All that the prophets had spoken. Wasn't this all foretold? Mm-hmm. Didn't he warn you that this is how it was going to be? And hadn't the prophets told you, but you foolish men, slow of heart. He's talking to us. You know, we have, what is it? You know, We get to see the script as it's finished. You know, yeah. we're like the outsiders who've already read the end of the story. So we sure. know what th- these guys are living it. Okay. Right. But we have to live it day by day too. And when things get tough, don't we sometimes get down on our Lord? Why are you letting this happen to me? Why are you treating me so bad? I've been so faithful. Why are you beating me up? (laughs) It's like, wasn't it necessary that the Christ suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted them for the scriptures concerning him. Now, this is the second time already in this account of Luke that he's reminded them that the cross was necessary, and that Jesus had told them it was going to be so, and that the prophets and Moses had told them it was going to be so. Mm -hmm. So uh, you got a theme going on here in Luke's resurrection account, and it has something to do with never forgetting the cross. Never forget the cross. Um, Let's see, who was Luke the secretary for? Wasn't it Paul. And I, for my part, have resolved that I was, while I was with you, I would speak of nothing but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ and him
2: crucified, yep.
1: And not only crucified, but risen from the dead. Yeah. Because if Christ is not raised from the dead, Paul says, our faith is in vain and we are the saddest of men. Mm-hmm. Death is not the end of the story, but the crucifixion is real. He really died. It wasn't make-believe. So Jesus opens their mind to understand the scriptures. And now comes the amazing part, right? So they get to the village of Emmaus, Maus, Maus. It's Maus, thank you, Emmaus. And he acts as if he's going on, and they're like, "Stay with us, please." You know, it's evening. I come in. So they're there, and they're at table. And what does he do? What, he does? what does he do? What does he do? He took bread, and blessed, and broke it, and gave to them. Gave it to them. Uh, Where have we heard those words before? I couldn't imagine. He took bread. (laughs) He blessed it. He broke it and gave it to them Mm -hmm. at the Last Supper. In all three accounts of the Last Supper in the Synoptic Gospels, those exact words are used. And they're also used in Matthew's account of the multiplication of the loaves, When Jesus feeds the 5,000, he says he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And he uses the exact same verbs again at the Last Supper account that are used here in Luke to show this is all connected. The feeding of the, the people with the loaves, the Last Supper, and this breaking of the bread, that Christ, the feeding of people with the loaves was the sign of Christ was going to feed us with himself in the Eucharist and they, that they are use the same words, yep. they're all connected, and because we know that, because the evangelist uses the same words.
2: The Biblical roots of the mass. You're giving it to us right now, Mary. Amen. I want to give a plug for the uh, women's conference coming up the 7th of September. It'll be an all-day seminar, and Mary Danielle, you'll be there, along with Barbara Nicolosi, two of the radio hosts, and the topic is true femininity, who Be who you are. I know you're going to be talking about Our Lady, and I want to encourage us men. It's Mother's Day coming up. Yes, I want you to say, hey, i got to get something for my wife more than flowers. Yeah, guys, get the flowers. They love them. But also, get a ticket for your wife to go to the Women's Conference September 7th as a way of showing your love and devotion to her so she can really get fired up about her femininity as a Catholic woman. The way to do it, call 877 or go online to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And by the way, bring your daughters to this event. Form them when they're young about men. femininity because look what the world is telling them. A unisex that there's no difference between men and women. Right. Baloney! Yeah. Sign them up for the Women's Conference, September 7th, 2019 by calling 877-526-2151 or go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. We'll be right back. This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful (gasps) Radio.
1: Well, thank you, Jesse, for bringing us back. (laughs) He's a good man. He sure is. And Virgin Most Powerful. Pray Pray for for us. us. So, Jesus blessed the the bread, and he broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and he recognized them, and he vanished from their sight. And then they say to each other, were not our hearts burning within us as yeah. he spoke to us on the road? Beautiful. And that's it. You know, the, the word of God is living and effective. Mm-hmm. And when we hear Christ, it does, it moves us. It We were made for the truth. We were made for union with God. Say that again, because I don't know if they hear that enough. We were made for the truth. We were made for union with God. We weren't made to live a lie. We were made to live a life of union with God. We were made to build the kingdom of God here on earth. Now, when we build the kingdom of God here on earth, it's not going to take the suffering away. It's one of the things people misunderstand. They think that because Jesus suffered, that we as Christians will never have any sufferings in our life. That's not true. The saints are no strangers to hatred, but they're no strangers to love. Because Jesus was no stranger to hatred, and he was no stranger to love. He is love. He is love incarnate, and he brings love into this world. And that's how we build the kingdom of God, is by loving not just those who love us. Jesus said even the pagans do that. Unfortunately, in the world we live in, it's almost like nobody loves anybody. And, and it's, we have to get back to that. We have to get back to the willingness to sacrifice for one another and even for our enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's
2: like, are you serious, Lord? Wait a minute. Did I hear you right? I want to give you a quick story because people remember stories more than anything. What you just said, there was a Japanese a soldier who was uh, guarding a Filipino man in Manila, During World War II, if we remember history, MacArthur said he'd come back to take the Philippines. Well, this particular time, the Japanese soldier was guarding the Filipino man, and they beat him. In other words, the Japanese soldier beat this man for a full year, gave him very little food, and it was tough on him. But when the tables were turned, when MacArthur came back, that Japanese soldier was now in the prison. But the Filipino man did exactly what the Bible said. Right. Went and fed him, clothed him for a year. Yep. And they never spoke together because they had different languages. Right. He was a Buddhist. He never seen anything like this. But actions speak louder than words. Because when he went back to Japan at the end of the war, he went up to a Catholic church, knocked on the door and said, I want to become a Catholic. The priest is like, what, what for? And then he tells him the story of how this man treated him with such uh, tenderness and love. After I treated him with hatred, I want what he has. So this is how early Christianity was converting souls, Mary. As you know, the first 300 years of the church, the church grew 10% every decade because we were cultural warriors. We were anti-cultural. The Roman empire is very similar to what we're up against now so how do we convert everybody by being what the bible says uh love love and not hate right because they were used to being hated
1: right and and it's there's going to be suffering we live in a world you know god's perfect paradise was disrupted by sin but it's okay he works with us you know we're the ones who chose sin god didn't make sin yeah man chose sin that's right man rejected god and god said no I'm gonna give you another chance. Mm. I am gonna send my son, he didn't say that at the time, but he said, I will send someone to restore the relationship that you broke. And that's what Jesus does, he restores us in relationship to the Father. Only God could pay to God the debt that was owed because of the sin that man committed. Because when man sins against God, it's an infinite offense. And it's interesting, if you don't think that sin has real consequences in the life of men, Read a book called Whatever Became of Sin by Carl Menninger. Men, yep. Not a Catholic, no, not Jewish a priest. Not a, he's, he was a psychologist, psychiatrist, yep. a Jewish psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And he says in that book that 90% of all the mental illness that he was familiar with was traceable to the loss of sense of sin. Wow. So how does this tie into the gospel? What does Jesus tell his apostles to preach?
2: Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I can't help to interrupt and say, if you haven't been to confession in a long time, this is a good time to go. Absolutely.
1: And, and, you know, yes, go to confession. And go more often than once a year. On a regular basis. Go on a frequent and regular basis. You know, the church counsels that we should go to confession monthly. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Much of the mental illness that we see in our society is due to the loss of sense of sin. When we commit an offense against God, God is real, and He really is love, mm-hmm. and that offense is a real offense, and it offends someone who loves us. We need to say, "I'm sorry." That's what Manager talks about in his book. Get his book, "Whatever Became of Sin." You'll love it. It's a good book. But going back to the Gospel here, so that the, the the disciples from Emmaus, after they were saw Jesus at a- Emmaus, Emmaus, they go back to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, they're greeted with, yeah, we've. it's true. The Lord has risen. He appeared to Simon. And then they recount how they came, they, that he met him on the road, and they came to know him in the breaking of bread, which, by the way, the breaking of bread, it was a custom in the Jewish society. At the end of every meal, you broke bread and distributed. It was a like a fellowship thing. But in the church, in the early church, this became – a um a description of the liturgy the eucharistic liturgy yep, that's right acts 2 42 acts 20 mm-hmm, um say that. verse 7 and then if you read the catechism of the catholic mm-hmm. church chapter um excuse me catechism of the catholic church paragraph thank you paragraph 1329 so the breaking of the bread referred to the eucharist yep and so then all of a sudden they're there and they're talking about this and it's like wow he's he has risen what's going on and and then Jesus stands before them the doors are locked <laughs> you know they're there and mm-hmm. jesus is standing he says peace be with you mm-hmm. and they're startled and frightened and sub- and, and they, they think it's a ghost mm-hmm. and jesus says come on you know it's like when he walked on the water you know they were it's <laughs> a ghost you'll know, get hold of yourself yeah. in his eye he says why are you troubled and why are you questioning why is questioning rising in your hearts see my hands and my feet He still had his scars. He's showing them the scars. This is the body. This is the same body that was crucified. It is now risen from the dead. I still have my scars. Here they are. (laughs) So the scars didn't go away. In his glorified body, his scars are glorified. But they're still there. And so he shows them his hands and his feet. And he says, touch me, handle me. See that a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as I do. (laughs) He wants them to know he's really risen from the dead, and they're still. It's like ah, oh, you know, when something is, you just you can't believe it, and you, you can't... can't get your mind around it, and you're and you're still kind of trying to catch your breath and figure out what's going on. So Jesus says, "Look, you got you have something to eat here. <laughs> Give me something to eat, and I will eat in your presence." A ghost doesn't eat. And a goat does. Again, ghosts don't eat. You know. Mm-hmm. So already I, I mentioned that you know Jesus had told them that mm-hmm. the Son of Man. That the angel reminded him that he had had to suffer and he had told him this and Jesus on the road to Emmaus had told them, didn't, isn't this what it said? Isn't this what the prophets had foretold? And then Jesus said to him, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Everything. Now they got a crash course. Wouldn't it have been nice to be in on that crash course? The two disciples on the road to Emmaus got a crash course. Jesus went through the scriptures, and he took every passage that applied to him, and explained it. You see, this was foretold. This was foretold. This was foretold. You know, and it's like, oh my gosh! And we have to go back and put it all together. You know, which isn't a bad thing. It's it's, it's good. We, sometimes when things come to us so easy, we don't um, it's true, we don't appreciate them. Okay, but it was foretold. The this, this suffering of Jesus is fully foretold in the Old Testament. Read Psalm 31, Psalm 69, Psalm 118. Read Isaiah 50, verse 6. Read Isaiah 53, or Isaiah 52 and 53, the suffering servant psalm. You know, it's there. And then read Psalm 22, okay, which specifically describes the crucifixion. And Isaiah 53 which describes the crucifixion. So the Christ was going to suffer. So Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. And we really forget this and it's hard. Mm-hmm. And believe me, when your heart is being crushed, when you know someone has ofit- hurt you to the point where they betrayed you or um disappointed you, you know, someone you love very dearly and your heart is being crushed, it's it's a real temptation to just psh, close out the world, close in on yourself and just start feeling sorry for yourself and saying, see, how can there be a good God? How can God bring any good out of this situation? My, you know, parents whose children have turned to drugs or who have turned to immorality and immoral living or have rejected the faith. And, and I realize you're crushed. Your spirit is crushed within you, but this is how Jesus's spirit was over our sins. We're, be, we're being given an opportunity to unite our sufferings to Jesus Christ mm. and, and to offer our sufferings in union with him. And we never know how much suffering it's going to take to save a soul. But ask Jesus for the grace, Lord, in the midst of this suffering, to see the face of Jesus and to say, Lord, somebody posted it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, when Mel Gibson was doing the Passion of the Christ, right? right? And so they have a picture of Mel Gibson sitting in his director's chair, and I think they have Jim Caviso sitting in the other chair, but he's portraying Christ in his passion so his body is all bloodied, right?
2: Yes.
1: And so it's supposed to be Jesus talking to Mel Gibson, right? And it says, so tell me about your troubles. Only you see the bloodied body of our Lord. Mm. You know, sometimes we have these crucifixes in our our Western world that we kind of— anesthetize ourselves against the actual pain Mm. we don't see the blood we don't see all the scars and the wounds jesus really suffered he really suffered and it wasn't it wasn't make believe and sometimes it's good to remember how much suffering he went through because we too are going to suffer and suffering is not a bad thing it came as an intrusion yes god didn't make sin he didn't make death and he didn't make suffering but man sinned and because man sinned death and suffering came into the world but christ came into the world and he took on a human nature and in his flesh he suffered so he redeemed the meaning of human suffering and now it can be divinized we can be united to christ and become like him through our sufferings
2: Every action's like a blank check sweetie if Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. Amen. All right, we'll be right back with the Bible with the Barbers. If you want to make a little donation, go to uh, the website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, or you can call 877 526 215, we'll be right back. This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
3: And
1: again, suffering is not the end of the story, okay? Jesus rose from the dead. His scars are glorified. We too can be divinized and glorified. We unite our sufferings to Christ in this world to do, as St. Paul said, we fill up In our own flesh, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. That's Colossians
2: chapter one.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I didn't say it. That's the scriptures. That's what the scriptures say. And so our sufferings can be united to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And that's what the church has always taught. So Jesus had told them he was going to suffer and he was going to rise from the dead. And then what? He told them that they were to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In his name to all the nations. Doesn't sound like fake mercy to me. No. No, it's it,
2: you have to it's have not fake repentance.
1: Mercy. Repentance. Repentance, it. repentance, repentance. This is at the beginning of the gospel. This is at the end of the gospel. Repent, for mm-hmm. the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. We have to turn away from sin. Yeah. We cannot receive mercy if we're not going to turn away from sin. And that doesn't mean we're not going to fall again, okay? It's not about whether you fell, but did you get up again? You know, (laughs) we fall, you know, (laughs) the just man, the just man falls seven times a day, Jesus said, Mm. you know, that's, that's the good person. What about the rest of us? You know, well, you know, Lord, but we keep getting up, we keep getting back. And it's like, Lord, remember the price you paid for us. You suffered for us. Your blood was shed for us. Remember us, Lord, and have pity on us because you know that we're weak. It's easier for us to do evil than it is for us to do good. We're more inclined to evil than to good. Believe me, we have to struggle. We really have to strive for goodness. It's like scaling a high mountain, mm. you know. And I'm terrified of heights.
2: You know?
1: <laughs> but <clears throat> I have to learn to trust the
2: Lord. Amen. Lord, I
1: trust you. And that's so beautiful, the Chaplet of Mercy and the, the, the you know Divine Mercy, which you know, before Saint Faustina, before the 20th century. Jesus had revealed his heart to St. Margaret Mary, the sacred heart of Mm -hmm. Jesus. He revealed his mercy, obviously, on the cross and all throughout the centuries. But he has to remind us. He keeps having to come back and reminding us, come (laughs) back to my mercy. I want to have mercy on you. I have designs for mercy for you. But repent of your sins. Turn away from sin. Turn back to Christ. And so the apostles are supposed to go out and preach repentance. And what's going to happen to them? Well, Jesus told them, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. What is he talking about? The promise of his Father, the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. Where where, where did he promise this, you know? Well, did you read in the Gospel of John, the Last Supper, um, chapter 14, where Jesus promises that he will send the paraclete? He promises that, and then again in, in John 20, and when he breathes on them, and he says, receive the holy spirit whose sins you shall forgive they are forgiven so jesus had promised that he he would send the holy spirit and this promise it, the holy spirit is talked about galatians 3 14 ephesians 1 3 the outpouring of the holy spirit all through the well throughout the old testament i mean this is if you go to um, Isaiah forty four three, Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, and Joel two twenty eight and twenty nine, and even in the very beginning in Genesis, you know the Spirit of God hovered over the waters at creation. Mm-hmm. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father had promised that He would send the Spirit, and the Spirit will bring to completion the work. And that's and then when He they receive the Holy Spirit, they're going to receive the power from on high. Well, that's read Acts chapter two. And the Pentecost event. And boy, did they receive power from on high. Because what does the Holy Spirit do? Jesus said, love is not yet perfect in one who is afraid. Mm. Perfect love casts out fear. The apostles were afraid. They'd been hiding in the upper room. Even after they encountered the risen Lord, they're still, you know, it's not perfect yet. And it's not until the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and love is perfected in them. And now all fear is taken away. They have no fear. They go out and boldly proclaim Christ. And, you know, that they, they get beaten. They get stoned. They get, you know, shipwrecked. They, all the sufferings that they're going to endure for Christ. And Stephen was the first martyr and on and on. The martyrs started, but they're not afraid to die. They're preaching the resurrection of Christ and the glorification of Christ, and that we're going to participate in that. And they believe it so much, they're not afraid to die. And this is one of the things that's missing. It's one of the reasons why Christianity was so contagious. Number one, see those Christians, how they love one exactly. another. They don't throw the sick and the the elderly out on the, the, the hills to die, and they don't abandon their children, mm-hmm. and they stay faithful in marriage, no matter how hard it is, they work it out, and then... They love one another. They take care of each other's needs. You know, And the Acts of the Apostles that talked about the early Christian community where everybody was everything was held in common. That when people had their, an excess of this world's good, they gave it in order to serve the needs of those who had less. You know, you're always going to have the widows and the orphans and the poor among you. No matter how hard a man works, there are some men who are never going to be able to earn enough to support their families. That's just life. It's, Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. Why? So that you can be like God. So that you can see the poor and serve them and love them before they've loved you. Mm -hmm. I love you enough to take care of your physical needs and also to bring Christ to you because that's, you know, that's the biggest thing is to bring Christ. And this is what the early church did. And so they preach. And then Luke goes right into the ascension here. And that's interesting because Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John, they go almost from the resurrection to the ascension. And you're like, well, I thought Jesus appeared to his apostles for 40 days. Where do we get this idea? Well, Luke gives us that idea, but not in his gospel. Luke gives us that idea in the second account, in the Acts of the Apostles, because it's not until the Acts of the Apostles that Luke tells us that over the course of 40 days, Jesus appeared to his apostles. So you have the resurrection, and then you have the ascension in in verse 50 of the 24th chapter of Luke, and you're thinking like, I mean, is this the next day? Is this... Well, you have to read the Acts of the Apostles to understand. you got to get the whole picture here. You're looking at a diamond from different facets. It's rich, but it's real. And it's true history. And if you want to know Christ, read the Gospels. Vatican II Council says that the Gospels are the the reliable source of the Jesus Christ who walked on the earth. If we want to know the history, the Christ of history, read the Gospels. Those are the reliable source. And I know scholars have their discussions, but the church teaches us the Gospels are the inspired word of God. Not only the Gospels, the entire scripture is the inspired word of God. Everything in the Old Testament is telling us about Christ. Everything in the New Testament is unfolding and revealing to us the fullness of what the Old Testament was getting at. We don't understand the Old Testament if we don't have the New. But the New Testament is still a mystery if we don't have the Old to see that the prophecies were pointing toward it. It's like Bishop Sheen said about, line up the claimants. How many people have appeared on the stage of history and claimed to have some kind of revelation or some kind of Mm -hmm. um, special knowledge from God for the people? Well, line up the claimants. How many of those people were foretold? How many of those people were prophesied? None of them. Jesus Christ was prophesied and every single aspect of his life was prophesied. You know, that he was be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be an infant, that he would grow, that he would, all of it, right up, to, and, and here Jesus is making it very clear, I told you I was going to suffer. It's there in Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms, it's all there, it was all foretold. So the, the New Testament reveals, it fully unfolds to us, it opens up the Old Testament, so we can't do, we can't be Christians and say we don't need the new, the Old Testament anymore, we have the New Testament. No, you need both. It's all God's word. It's all his inspired word. And God is the primary author.
2: You use the word typologies of Christ. I, that's kind of a big word for maybe some. So I want to kind of just break it down that there's types of Christ in the Old Testament. That, you know, we see it fulfilled in the New Testament. Dr. Scott Hahn did a, oh gosh, 10 hours of a course that he taught. He still teaches it at Steubenville on typologies of christ and if you want to really get into that because i i found that to be fascinating i missed so much of the new testament because i didn't know the old right right if you want to get it on mp3 you can call eight seven seven five two six two one five and get that whole course and study typologies of christ by dr scott hahn and i guarantee it when you read the new testament it'll be a lot different. Yeah,
1: it, 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 it's so much fuller and we get so much more. You know, that the Paschal Lamb, for yeah. instance, just to give you one example, there the Paschal go. Lamb in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. that the, the Jews sacrificed the Paschal Lamb and they marked their the lintel in the doorposts of their doors with the blood of the Lamb. And when they did, when the Lord passed over Egypt that night and killed the firstborn of every family, he passed over the house of the Israelites because he saw the blood of the Lamb. So they were delivered from death by the blood of the Lamb. But that lamb was only a type of Christ. It pointed mm-hmm. forward to Christ whose blood would free us from sin and death and instead of um, eternal death, not just death here on earth. And yes, we will die. We will die, but death is not a bad thing. We embrace death. What was it? St. Francis said my sister death Yeah. because through death, just like Christ died and rose from the dead, we too will rise again. Christ's body is risen from the dead. He had a real human body. He was a real human nature, united to a divine person. He was only one person, the second person of the blessed Trinity, but he took to himself a human nature. He truly is our brother. And so we too will rise from the dead. And that was what St. Paul pointed out. If Christ is risen, then we will rise. If Christ isn't risen, we won't rise. And if we won't rise, then our hope is stuck in this world. But no, we will rise. Christ did rise from the dead. And that's for people who say, you know, the resurrection was only, oh, symbolic, or it was just mass hysteria, or first of all, the apostles weren't expecting it, and that's very obvious. But second of all, no, it wasn't just some kind of a spiritual spiritual reality or construct of their mind. The real body of Christ that suffered on the cross really rose from the dead. And that's what the, we have to keep that in mind. The resurrection accounts... But it's not, remember, suffering and death is not the end of the story, Mm. but we can unite our sufferings to Christ and be divinized, become like Christ. We will never be God, but we can become like him. We can look like Jesus because he can make us like himself through his grace and mercy and especially through the Eucharist.
2: So we can be his hands and feet. Absolutely. And so one of the neat things I keep saying is every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. Here at Virgin Most Powerful, we're trying to help you get a better understanding of your Bible and your relationship with Jesus Christ, his mother, and the church. It's quite a tall order. Couldn't do it without you. (laughs) I got to thank everybody who's our monthly donors because we have a special dinner coming up June 14th here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. We have mass at 5 o'clock and then dinner at 6.30 right outside the courtyard of the church. And if you're a monthly donor... Come on, go online to to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and just register. And if you're not a donor and you want to be one, go on virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call me personally. I'd love to get you signed up up. for being a monthly donor. 877-526-2151. And I want to thank you, all of our listeners. And today, if it touched you, you can always listen to this again on a podcast. Amen. And we from the Barbers, the Bible of the Barbers, may God richly bless you and your family.
3: St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg Thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of Thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests... Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of Thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For Thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
0: Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.